And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, where the NBA season is four or five some days away. And to help us preview it, let me bring up the bios. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with these people. Let's see. Between them, they have written New York Times best-selling novels, created a television show, created maybe one of the 10 most popular podcasts in the history of Earth, and most importantly, they were my colleagues at Grantland.com. I'm wearing the hoodie <laughs> for those of you who are not watching me on YouTube. Shay Serrano, Jason Concepcion. Yes, how are you? What up, baby boy? Much better uh, now to be here with you. You are now the co-hosts of a podcast called Six Trophies. That's right. Which which is going to come out every Wednesday wherever you get your podcast. Wondery is the is the the thing. Whatever the comp the company. <laughs> That's um, right. The thing. Yeah. The idea is every week you are going to hand out a series of trophies. There's six regular trophies that all have pop culture references. I'm like fifty fifty. I get some of them. Some of them I don't. One of them is the Catalina <laughs> wine mixer one. That one made me laugh. One of them is a Fast and Furious reference that I have not seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, one of oh. them is Daniel Plainview saying, I, I abandoned my child. <laughs> and I was laughing on the Metro North train listening to it. You're going to give out for these are people who won the week, lost the week, people you're giving up on. And then six little trophies that are going to change every week. There are two episodes out, I believe. Uh, they mm -hmm. are both wonderful, not surprising, um, and it's going to be about the NBA every single week. So, congratulations, guys! Thanks for thanks for it's really you know it's smart because it's such an empty space. The NBA podcast, yeah, world. yeah it's, it's just, it's so it's it's so just a void that's been waiting to be filled. Where could they use the voice of two more dudes? Oh, I know, talking about the NBA. Let's do it. Well, first of all, also just I mean. Jason coming off the happiest Knicks year in a Let's long go. time, already mm -hmm. making predictions that the third seed is coming to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> this year we're going to talk about that. And Shay hijacking, oh, I'm going to say 30% oh, of the first episode <laughs> to talk about Victor Wembanyama. Um, oh, it's just going to be, um, it's just going to be an incredible, incredible exuberance from both of you. You excited yes. for the season? Oh, I could not be more excited. All right. We're going to just go some goofy questions with you guys. Yes, please. First of all, on your mm -hmm. debut episode, uh, each of you <laughs> made three predictions. This is about 12 days ago, 10 days ago, something like that. And 10 days mm -hmm. have passed. A lot can happen in the NBA in 10 days. So, so I, want to, I want to test your confidence levels in these predictions. We'll start with Shea Serrano. Mm -hmm. Predicted that the Phoenix Suns, mm -hmm. with no point guard, and Yusuf Nurkic is their starting center. And a bench so anonymous to all but people like me, NBA nerds, that you that they were all collectively just unnamed in the entire analysis of the Phoenix yeah. Suns. There was no one actually <laughs> named. The words Kata Bates Diop did not come out of anybody's mouth. The no. Suns would beat the Bucks in the final. Shea Serrano, 10 days later, how are you feeling? I'm feeling more confident than ever, sir. <laughs> they look good. They look good. Three and one in the preseason. That's a good winning percentage for me. I'll take it. Jason, you did not make yeah. a finals prediction on that episode. Okay. Um, how do you feel about Shay's finals prediction? Is he going to go 0 for 2, 1 for 2, 2 for 2? Uh, I don't want to make a prediction on top of a prediction. 
that's too that's too much of a, a prediction Russian nesting doll. I will say I have a low amount of confidence in uh, in particular that that Phoenix Suns prediction. Having watched a lot of who Wizards. beats them? Who the Denver Nuggets, the reigning champs? I just think the, like <laughs> Bra- I just think like Bradley Beal is like your starting point guard. It feels like a thing that you wouldn't do unless you had to. You know, it's it'd be like uh, if I used my like PlayStation like as my full time television. I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm doing that not because it's a good idea. I'm doing it because I don't have any other option, and mm-hmm. I just feel like eventually that option will be revealed to be not a great one. How many texts do you think Shay is going to send you? I know you guys have a text chain that just goes Mm -hmm. like per Spurs game that are just, that are just like, if you're not watching the game, they'll just be like profanity. It'll just be profanity. Like, holy crap. You know what? He's got a lot of self-control. I am usually the one who sends the Wemby clip, you know, the Wemby, uh, the nutmeg clip is the most recent one. The nutmeg happened while I was on the train last night, stuck on the train because of police activity at a station between New York and Connecticut. And I watched the nutmeg. I watched like, I I watched 20 different Twitter people. I just wanted to keep watching it. It was so (laughs) ridiculous. What can you say? like, oh, this guy tweeted it now. I'm so excited. And and, and I appreciate the self-control from Shay. But honestly, what can you say about him? It's it's truly amazing the things we are watching now, and the fact that this is just the beginning is just mind boggling. It's mind boggling. Jason, you predicted in your predictions exchange that the Knicks, the Knickerbockers of New York City, that's right, would snag, earn the third seed in the Eastern <clears throat> Conference, presumably behind Milwaukee and Boston. I'm guessing. That's right. Uh, that's right. Um, how do you feel ten days later after watching some Julius Randle in Skechers? Dunking all over Mike <laughs> Muscala, not in Skechers. How do I listen? Uh, this prediction uh, kind of hinges on the continuing chaos within the Philadelphia 76ers organization, which actually brings me in a, into conflict with one of my other predictions that James Harden will remain a Sixer, or maybe not. Um, and uh, I also listen, a guy can dream, right? I, wa- I believe in dreams, I believe in hopes. I wouldn't be here speaking with the great Zach Lowe today with four-time New York Times best-selling author Shea Serrano if I didn't believe in dreams, if I didn't have a dream. I have a dream, and that is that the New York Knicks will come off of a playoff-appearing season with another playoff appearance as a third seed. <laughs> and I just have that dream. It's one I've had since a little child. And I will continue to believe in it. I believe in Dante DiVincenzo. I believe in Jericho Sims. I believe in Julius Randall. Jericho I, Sims? Just I getting kinda, the second I believe in is Jericho Sims. I believe Sims. it drives. <laughs> I believe it quickly. I, I, I kind of believe in R.J. Barrett. And I just believe in this team. Wow. Tom Thibodeau has won me over. And uh, I just feel like there's a lot of upheaval in the Eastern Conference. A lot of question marks. Why not the Knicks? As the third seed. Here's Tom Tom Thibodeau's response to your prediction. What the Jason? You don't know. know Now all all this pressure is going to be on us. Why can't you just shut the up? Ice. 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 Go get him. He's going to be so mad about all of that. It's going to be great. 
I don't think this is a ridiculous prediction at all. In fact, I will go so far as to say Knicks and Cavs are going to be three and four Ooh. in the Eastern Conference. Let's go! Not in that order necessarily, but that's my prediction. Uh, Shea Serrano, this one, this one needs further elaboration because I, I feel like it was a little reckless. I feel like it was a little reckless. Oh, I know this one already. By the end of the season, Anthony Edwards will be considered a top eight player in the NBA. I felt like eight was kind of just chosen at random. So I'm just going to read you seven names. Okay. These are names of players in the NBA mm-hmm. in no particular order, but these are seven. So mm-hmm. after seven comes eight. Luka Doncic, <laughs> Stephen Curry, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. That's seven. Yeah. So if Anthony Edwards is eight, he's either better than one of those guys by the end of the year, or he's better than LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Shea Gilles Alexander, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Jimmy Butler. Do you stand by this prediction, sir? I stand by this prediction. He's going to make the leap. He's going to make the leap. He has all of the tools. As I mentioned in the show, they're all right there. He just needs to find a little snap. Like when you put in the Legos together and there's a little gap in there and you just close it shut. That's all he needs. He's going to be there is my guess. That's a guess. I believe I'm on the Anthony Edwards uh, train. Maybe the thing that uh, that uh, gives him the opening is Carl Anthony Towns moving somewhere. Maybe they move him and all of a sudden they hand the keys to uh, to Ant and who knows where where cat could end let up. Let me let me pitch you on this, Jason. Yeah. Emmanuel quickly. Yep. Evan Fournier's expiring contract. He's looked great in the preseason. Unbelievable. I yeah. love how I love how the Evan Fournier mutiny has now expanded to other French players with no connection <laughs> to the Knicks. <laughs> Going to war on his behalf. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Mikhail Petrus says yes. Evan Fournier really needs to play more. Roddy Boubois has come back to say, what's going on with Evan Fournier? Evan Fournier, Emmanuel quickly, other matching salary that's not R.J. Barrett, and five first-round picks, three from other teams, so they're like the top whatever protected from Washington, not the top whatever protected from Detroit, bad ones, and two Knicks picks for Carl Anthony Towns. I think you seriously consider it. Do it. Do it. I think you seriously consider it. Listen, I... uh, Cat has said some really insane things for the last couple months, but he's he he's still an uh just a killer offensive big. At one time, I think you could have made. I said this with Shay. You could have made the argument, and I think a bit of uh, there was a lot of evidence to back up the argument. He was the best offensive big man in the league for a period of time. I still think he's really good, and uh, why not? I I would yes. I would lean yes, depending on other players being out there that that uh, not well, being on the th- table. Th- there's no, but there's no, well, you, okay. Um, you there are, could be other players better than Carl Towns that become available yes. after Carl Towns that you may take That's yourself right. out of. What if Tim Connolly says, ah, you know what, we're almost we're almost there. I gotta have Barrett. Um, I would probably. Uh, who came? I, I would... Who came? Eight guys after Jericho Sims in the I believe in these Knicks <laughs> mo- monologue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, RJ is is a, a jack of a lot of trades and probably like a master of none. I think to be fair to him, but like a solid player, I would 
Uh, I'd probably say yes, honestly. This is, again, assuming that the Knicks reasonably believe that Carl is the best player that is available to them. I do think he's a very strong change of scenery um, trade lit a fire under my ass to care about the things yeah. I haven't cared enough about in the NBA. Back home in guy. the New York, New Jersey area. Yeah, I, I think he's I think even if he stays in Minnesota the whole year, he's going to have it's not a vengeance season because he's not exactly avenging any injustice. Yeah. The criticism of Carl to Anthony Towns, particularly in the playoffs, is just I think he's going to have a good season. Anthony Edwards won't be a top eight player. That's that's I, I can't I can't get there with you. Jimmy Butler, by the way, just robbed an ESPN's NBA rank. How can people watch that guy in the playoffs and think he's the 13th best player in the NBA? He's you not. know why? You know why? Because I think we are, we are all involved in a very complex and subtle conspiracy to underrate Jimmy Butler because we all understand that he's better when he's got that fire under him. It's better when he's an underdog. It's better <laughs> for the league when no one believes in Jimmy because he just takes it up several notches to prove everybody wrong. And that's better for everybody. I gave you guys some random questions that I think th this is going to be representative of how your podcast is going to go. You're going to ra go sure. rapid fire through these trophies of who won the week, who lost the week. You did first your first episode, who's, who won the offseason, the Bucks and Dame Lillard, who lost the offseason. You guys are very, very down on the Miami Heat uh, in, in that one. They got the whatever the – I believe it was the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one yeah. award um, that the it. Miami Heat got. Uh, it's a great – it's a great trophy. Uh, we'll start with you, Shay. Who is the player in NBA history, past or present, that you inexplicably hate for just no good reason? You just oh, hate their Rick. face. You hate their game, whatever it is. Rick Fox. <laughs> the two, uh, early 2000 Lakers, Rick Fox. Hate him. Hate him. He's peddling uh, right now uh, like uh, uh, climate-friendly concrete. Like that's his thing he's doing. And I'm like, I'm going to buy an 18-wheeler and just drive it around to offset the good that Rick Fox is doing in the community. I'm going to carbon offset him with an 18-wheeler. Is that a Spurs-Lakers thing, or is is it just like no one should be able to play in the NBA and be this handsome and successful in every part of life thing? Every, he's good at everything. His teeth are perfect. His face is perfect. He He's a winner. He's tall and he's fit. It just made me he's mad. He's a sports All pioneer. Yeah, even, all of even, the things. Even my wife, who knows next to nothing about basketball, I is like, man, in high school, I think I had a poster of Rick Fox in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> when he was with the Celtics, Celtics Rick Fox. <laughs> Jason, do you have an answer to this question? Um, uh, Chris Mullen. He was mean. What? To, he was mean what? to me and my friends in a, at a deli in Long Island oh, okay. when we were like little kids. That's all. It, but it's like honestly, I've, I'm over it, Chris. I'm over it. What, what like did it. he? I, I, you have so many outlets that I. You've probably told this story and I missed it. What did he? No, did no. he cut you in line? Did no, he... I think we wanted an autograph, but we were being jerks about it, and we were kind of like. I actually, I'm not sure that I 100% recognized him. Uh, um. And I think we were just being kind of pestering kids to him, and he didn't, uh, and he didn't give us an autograph. And so now I, I hold a small grudge against Chris Mullen. He and Tim Hardaway were my uh, on the Warriors were my NBA Jam team. 
go to yes and yeah and great, great jack, nba jam team i would just jack threes i tim hardo wouldn't even get to shoot it would just be like let's get chris on fire <laughs> and just shoot threes it, if it wasn't starks and nicks it was uh starks and ewing it was uh peyton and the rain man for me all right jason we'll flip the order and start with you um Ran- most r- random, so not Knicks, not like a team we're all super excited to watch, like Dame and the Bucks. Just like random team that for some reason you're obsessed with watching this year. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Shay has like <laughs> pointed out that it's weird that I'm interested in this, but I'm like really interested in the Wiseman Marvin Bagley battle oh for the backup God. for the backup. <laughs> <laughs> the business, I, I I can't explain it. I just am fascinated by it. And uh, and I'm going to be paying attention for some weird reason. I thought it was like a normal thing to be interested in, but apparently it's not. And well, uh, what if they what if the answer is they I think this might be the answer to start the season. Yeah. They just play together a lot. Or does that make I, it better yeah. or worse? I think it makes it better. And that's so cool. Like, great. I'm rooting for both of them. My favorite stat of the James Wiseman Pistons era in 24 <laughs> games for the Pistons. He had 16 assists, so 16 is less than 24, so less than yeah. one a game, and 37 turnovers. You know how hard <laughs> that is to do when you like kind of don't pass at all and you still have 37 turnovers in 24 games and you don't play that much? Um, Pistons are going to be it, it, both – it's going to be an interesting – I'll watch them. Like, Jaden Ivey's cool. Kate Cunningham's cool. All the, They have nine centers. That's kind of weird. Cool. I'm in. I am just there – for the battle between Wiseman, <laughs> Wiseman and Marvin Bagley, it legitimately that is <laughs> that is why I will be watching them for so, no other reason. So this is crazy, but I already recorded this, but it's coming up later in the podcast. I had Kevin Clark on to talk about the Magic and the bottom of the East, and we we're talking about random jerseys you see in the wild that make you mm-hmm. want to ask the person like, "How? Why?" I was walking down down I think Third Avenue in New York a couple days ago and I saw a guy coming at me with a Marvin Bagley Sacramento Kings Jersey. And Hell I was yeah. like, just how, how, how did this happen? Shay, your team. I think, I think in part, this is because they were the, the second to last when they were calling the order for the draft, they got the second pick. I find myself quietly rooting for the Charlotte Hornets. I'm like curious to see what they do. I really like watching LaMelo play. He's been one of my favorite players in the league. He's like one of my league pass guys. So put me put me down to see what's going on in in Charlotte. Okay, I don't. I mean, they're they're they have some players. Lamelo's good. Yeah. I like. I I am I am buying all the Lamelo. Not all of it, but I I think people have forgotten about Lamelo because he only played twenty something mm-hmm. games last year. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like a wild, weird player. Like it just feels so chaotic. Is is it? Can it translate to like real playoff basketball? I just keep saying six seven can shoot like that and is a genius passer. Like you can't find that very often. Right. So I'm, exactly. I'm in. Exactly. Let's go with this. Shay, do you have a rule change you would make in the NBA if you were commissioner? Like immediately, oh could be could you could pick um, you could pick you could be anything. Before I got off the phone right now, I would remove uh, charges. No more no more charges. You want to run through a player? Run through a player. I'm banning. <laughs> I'm banning charges. <laughs> it was a hot button topic la- last postseason with the yeah. with John Morant getting injured, and it's terrible. Don't do that. It, it just, it just, it. This is how much I don't like it. Is it just happened? The Spurs just did it, and normally everything the Spurs do, I'm like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. 
but the Spurs defender, I think it was Doug. Uh, Doug slid under a, a big dunk, and they called the guy dunked it, and they still called the charge. And I was like, "That was not right. Get it out of here. I don't want it. I don't want it. At least on dunks. No, thank you." Uh, well, they just who just had the who just had the big dunk in preseason. The Spurs got drew the fa- drew drew the charge. Yeah. The Rockets yeah. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amon Thompson. Um, yeah, I think it was it was a great. Or no, Cam Whitmore it was Cam Whitmore. Um, RJ was fired up about that, and in true RJ fashion, Richard Jefferson. He's fired up about that call, but he really only wants to talk about it because it reminded him of a dunk that he did in yes, his career yes. that got called <laughs> as a charge. And he's like, so let me show this on TV. Here's me at age 35 dunking on some poor guy. I don't know who it was. And I called him out on the show. I was like, Richard, this is just like a scam that you've created to show you dunking. Now that you're an old, uncool dad, former player, he's way cooler than I could ever be. Jason, what's the rule change that you have? I hope, but give me a good one. Okay, I'll give you a good one because I said I've, I've been asked this before, and I said uh, like you know the the advantage rule in in football slash soccer. I think the NBA really should add that. Here's one: people have pitched this before, but I have a wrinkle on it. Relegation. I think you take the worst Ooh. the the worst one, maybe two NBA teams, right? And they go down to the G League. Here's why it would work. And here's my wrinkle. First of all, I think it's 27 uh, uh, NBA teams own their own G League team. You don't actually change the entire team. Like take the G. Adam Silver has said it would be so disruptive because, you know, they're not the G League teams are not prepared to compete. You just make the team change jerseys. They have to wear their G League team's jerseys for the entire season. They have to take all the branding. It has to be the G like So the Knicks become the Westchester Knicks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't actually make the players go down to the G League. They stay, but you take all the branding and you and you flip it. I think it's I think it would come. I think it's compelling. I think it I think it ends tanking immediately. Are you disqualified <laughs> from the NBA standings for that season? Like if you finish seventh, do you just still not make the play the play in and somebody else makes the play in instead of you? Yes. Do you just participate yes. in the season with bad G League jerseys? That's it. You just and that's you become it. That, so the Pacers become the Fort Wayne Mad Ants for one right. year. And there's like that a is, damn mascot walking that's around. That's correct. Yes. You have to wear their you have to wear their jerseys. You have to change all the signage, all the branding, all the commercials. Everything has to be the G League team, and that's how relegation would work in the NBA. I think it would be great. I think people would love it, and I, I honestly believe it would end tanking. Shay, is there a player <sighs> in the NBA who just makes you laugh accidentally? I think, I think before I answer that, I would like to address when you set Jason up, you said, give me a good one, a good one, Jason. The implication being that my rule change was awful. And so, no, it's, it's, it's not and awful. I, it's just I wanted, I wanted, wa- I wanted wackier, and he delivered wackier. Oh, you were, you took we were it doing... seriously. You were like, I have a basketball answer to this question. Oh, really improved game flow. Let me run it by the game ops guys in the NBA. I'll give you... you an example of a player who made me laugh. The way Mitch McGarry ran, remember Mitch McGarry? <laughs> yes, he would yes. run up and down the court like like yes. a combination of Tom Cruise and like Will Ferrell running in a and that just I every do, time I watch him I laughed. Do you Zach? Do you remember this? This was several years ago. This is when I was still teaching, and I sent you an email one day. So this is like uh, I don't know 2014, 2013. and I was like, hey, let me ask you a question. 
is it against the rules for uh, <laughs> if we're on offense, we leave or we're on defense, we leave one player on the other end of the court and he just waits there so that when the other team shoots and misses, we get the ball, we rebound it and we throw it down, down court. And you emailed me back in like 10 seconds and you were like, who have you been talking to? Why do you know about this? And I was like, oh, I was talking because I coached the seventh grade basketball team and like I want to try this strategy. And you had like some some in line to a team that I think it was the Sacramento Kings. Vivek Ranadive wanted to <laughs> yeah. try cherry picking and Michael Malone was like, hey, buddy, stay up, stay in your lane. We're not doing that. Yeah, that was like 10 seconds respond back. I thought I was in trouble. I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what's going on. No, I'm talking about seventh graders here. Um, a, a player who just makes me laugh is Tyrese Maxey. I just I, I don't know what it is about the way that he plays. He's just so all over the place everywhere that I really enjoy it. Good or bad, whatever he's doing, I just am happy. I find myself smiling watching Tyrese Maxey when he has the ball or when he's trying to get the ball or when he's not even engaged in a play. He just makes me happy. Jason, do you have a player who makes you laugh? Alvarado. Just, he oh, reminds me of that. good yeah. one. You know, it's... Uh, he reminds me so much of Pablo Prigioni, Nick's legend, Pablo Prigioni, <laughs> and the way he would just like lurk in the in someone's like blind spot and then all of a sudden appear out of nowhere to steal the ball. Uh, Chris Paul got so mad. Like, I, um, he just he wouldn't makes even, people he wouldn't even mad. say his name. He wouldn't even, he say, wouldn't his even name. say his name. And it's just <laughs> so funny to me. It's so funny. That's a great one. That's a great There one. were a lot of think pieces in 2013 and 2014 about how Mike Woodson needs to play Pablo Prigioni more. Yeah. The plus minus was just off the charts with Prigioni in the game. I, I I was one of those people. I think part of the problem was that Prigioni was like 38 or whatever it was. <laughs> That's back when you were just a corgi on yes. on, uh, on anonymous Twitter. anonymous Twitter person. Um, so uh, six trophies. Let's just end with this. Every Wednesday, right? And it's mm-hmm. going to be you're going to it's it's going to be kind of like Jason used to have NBA desktop, which was mm-hmm. just a, a, the greatest nine to eleven minutes greatest, of, of my week greatest. every week. I would sit and watch it. I was able to go on it a couple times. You remember you you had the spicy. The spicy take segment, and you cornered me at the Sloan conference. You're like, I need a spicy take. I need a spicy take right now. And I, and I panicked. I panicked. Do you remember what my spicy take was? I don't remember. Christopher Nolan is overrated. You like, I, I honestly, honestly, a mainstream take. It's a mainstream take. It has, well, I guess up until Oppenheimer was kind of a mainstream take for me. Yeah, a I haven't while. seen Oppenheimer yet. Yeah. Um, uh, what else, what else do you guys want the world to know about this podcast? I mean, it's it the first two episodes are predictably hilarious, rapid fire. It's the kind of thing. It's like if you're if you're in if you're like if you're like a six to seven level of interest on one topic, yes. you you just there's a ten coming right around the corner. Just stick with it. That's the that's the format. Uh, it comes out every Wednesday. It's incredibly funny, and it's very accessible. Like, listen, we're not you're not gonna you're not gonna get buried under cap minutia. Nobody's going to test your knowledge of the trade machine or the new CBA. We're going to, it's going to be really, really fun. And we are going to have experts on that do that stuff. And then we're going to torture them endlessly. (laughs) (laughs) That feels right. Yes. Let's go with that. All right. Well, you guys have been generous with your time. You have a lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, Shout out to Grantland. Both of you have been colleagues and friends for a long time. It's been Awesome to watch your success from afar. This podcast you is going to well. hit, hit it yeah, out of the park. Well. 
And uh, thank you for making some time. Six trophies, Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Go Knicks. Go Spurs. Let's all have a fun NBA season. Yeah. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right. Meanwhile, we're three days away from an important deadline in the NBA, the deadline for the first round picks from 2020 to sign contract extensions. Several of them already have, mostly the big names, plus Devin Vassell and for some reason, Isaiah Stewart, seemingly two years ago. Bobby Marks, we're going to go rapid fire through this group. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. It is a weird climate where um, the cap is going to explode in the near future. There's a new CBA and... In the immediate future, there's not that many teams with cap space this coming summer. There are a few, including like a team like Orlando will have a bonanza of cap space. So you're going to have a lot of these players who are like, or you're going to have a lot of teams who are, because they're cautious and they know they have the the cudgel of restricted free agency and not that many teams with cap space and nervousness about the CBA saying, well, go out and get something bigger than the mid-level exception, which is going to be $13 million this coming summer. We'll go out in restricted free agency. And then there's going to be a lot of players who are like, if the mid-level exception is $13 million and a bunch of other teams with no cap space are going to have that, why am I going to take anything even close to that? And I think you're going to get this stalemate, or we have right now a stalemate in a lot of cases. But Bobby, deadlines have a way of solving stalemates. So let's go down. We're just going to go rapid fire through through the draft. Are you ready? Yeah, let's Anthony go. Edwards, done. James Wiseman. No, I don't see it. I just think, listen, they got him in the February trade deadline. I think they're, they need another body, another year of body of work for Wiseman, unless you're going to get him on the cheap, which is like an eight to $9 million contract. He it's, it's a no, it's a why just why yeah. like, and, and to your point, the Peyton Pritchard deal was an interesting one. Four years, 30, I think. Yeah. With Boston. 30, yeah. And there were some people around the league who were like, well, I'm not even sure Boston should have done that. My reaction was kind of like, no harm, no foul. He's going to be in the rotation this year. What's the worst that can happen? It's a John Conchar and a Sear Little. Like, it doesn't even matter if these level of $6 million, $7 million deals don't pan out. But, like, why is James Wiseman going to – I mean, I guess you could take that if they offer it to him. I don't even know why they would, given his he's done essentially nothing in the NBA. 
Um, he is one of the, there are several players that we're going to get to that could say, you know what, I'm in a position to actually get a lot more minutes this year. I'm going to bet on myself. There are also players who we're going to get to who are maybe in a position to not get as many minutes this year as they've been accustomed to. And their teams may say, you maybe you shouldn't bet on yourself. You sure you don't want to take this? We'll get to some. Patrick Williams. LaMelo Ball is done. Patrick Williams at four. No, but if it is, it will be like a Monday deadline deal. Um, I think when you look at it with Williams, I mean, him and DeMar DeRozan are two big questions for them as far as where you go in the, in the future. You just signed the lean last year, uh, Vooch, this off past off, off season. Um, for more of a body of work last year. I just, I, I don't, I don't see it. Um, I don't see it right now for him. This is one, and we're going to get to a second one, that I think the Devin Vassell deal was kind of a grenade into yeah. these negotiations. Vassell got, what, 30 a year-ish? Yeah, five for 135, and then, so yeah. 28, 27, whatever yeah. it is. I'm hearing Patrick Williams wants big, big numbers. Like, like starts with a two and isn't two zero kind of stuff, potentially. Well, here, here's the one thing, though. You have to look at it. So basically, that's 50% of what the max could be for a guy signing a max contract, where the cap's going to go. If it's 20, if it's 25 or 26 or 27, yeah, that's little, it's, that's a it's more. <laughs> and look, I get your, your point is well taken, and it's why I thought the Vassell deal was both a deal he was fine to take. It's security beyond what he ever dreamed of, given he played 38 games last year, and also a deal that could age fine for the Spurs. It could just be a mutually beneficial fine contract Devin Vassell averaged almost 19 points a game last year and he's a proven knockdown shooter I understand that teams in these contracts are paying for future production not past production if I'm going to give you like a hundred million dollars I'd like to have some past production like like have you done something in the NBA that's worth any like Patrick Williams has done some stuff, but like that's just if that's the number, if that ends up being true and the Vassell deal ends up being the comp that his agents go to, which is what I would do if I were them, that's a lot. That's a lot of cheese. And like go to restricted free agency and get it. Yeah, I mean, he played uh eight all 82 games last year, career high 10.2 points, um 41% from three for his career. I'm um, a I'm a card carrying member of the I'll never be out on Patrick Williams. I just don't know if I want to be that in right now. Yeah, I'm not $24, $25 million per year in. That's Here's a fifth pick, a guy that falls into that mid-level exception, cuts both ways trap that I talked about before. Isaac Okoro. Yeah, is going to likely come off the bench, right? Has started 174 out of 210 games in the first three seasons. Um, Max Struess now looks like is the starter, right, with uh, with that group in Cleveland. Um, he is a, uh, if you could do something, I don't think he, unless he comes in at a 12 to $13 million number three, uh, four for 52 is a nice number. Um, which is, that's the number for guys coming off the bench, right? It's like that's, that's, yeah, that's mid-level, essentially number. a mid-level deal. And I could see a Coro and his people saying, well, why would I take that? I can get the mid-level in the off season, but you know, look, and, and he could have a big year, but like, they're going to need his defense. Um, he shot 36% on threes. Last year, he doesn't take any. Nobody guards him, so it doesn't really matter. He can do some stuff, and he might do more stuff this year. He also might do less stuff this year. And the Cavs are really the first team we're getting to now that 
have to look at the finances years ahead under this new CBA and say, well, we've got three bona fide stars that we'd like to pay, including I'm including, including Evan Mobley in that star moniker. Um, do we want, can we afford to give role players hefty double digit contracts? I think some teams are, are, are more hesitant about that. Other teams are going to say, we may need those contracts as trade assets because the rules are going to be so hard for us to trade if we hit the first apron and the second apron that they could be useful. So we'll see. Um, now we get to my most interesting one so far. Onyeka Akangwu, the sixth pick in the draft. And we might as well also do Sadiq Bey, yeah. the 19th pick in the draft. The Atlanta Hawks, who extended DeJounte Murray on a great deal, but have just the luxury tax crunch from hell coming next year if they re-sign both of these guys and don't flip another big salary. Um, Sadiq Bey is a guy who we talked about guys who could see their minutes go down. I think Jalen Johnson is in line to start this year and Sadiq Bey may be in line to come off the bench after being a starter most of his career. Akangu is coming off the bench, but is clearly kind of the future at center for the Hawks. These are tricky ones. What do you think? Well, these are tricky ones. These are ones where if you extend them, you better have a good comfort level that you're going to move the Clint Capella contract. That you know, it's something in that nature because you look at their finances. They moved John Collins in a salary dump. They're still committed to 148 million next year. The luxury tax projected at 172, so that gives you basically 24 million to play with between two players. So you extend both Sadiq Bay 18 to 20. I mean, is that you know we're looking at as this cap grows, that number could be potentially higher. Um, Capella's under contract for two more years at um, 20 per. So he would basically have one year left on him. These are two players. I think these are like circumstances. If they were with a different team under different finances, I could say, yes, circle both players here. But I think if you're Atlanta, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Let's see where our, where we go next year. I mean, the finances are going to still be there unless you move one of these high, you know, high DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella those type players there 18 to 20 is an interesting conversation with Sadiq Bey because it's enough above the mid-level that he's got to think about it I don't I don't I've heard those negotiations have not been going great I don't think Atlanta's gotten to that level yet and Sadiq Bey is one of those players kind of like DeAndre Hunter who looks like a good NBA player he's rangy he's big shoots it okay from three and then you look and you watch plays like is he does he do like what does he do doesn't defend very well, doesn't pass, doesn't rebound. Okay shooter, not a big-time scorer on a good team. Put up some numbers for the Pistons. Had a 50-point game, remember that? Yeah. 50-point game against the Magic. It's like, what, what, is he, what is he actually good at? And, and, and then he might come off the bench this year. If I had to pick one to accept, if you're asking me if I'm the Hawks, I, 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 can't get any, I can't get either one for less than $20 million, but I really want to pay one just to do it, I would pay a Congo, which yeah. is counter to how the game is trending in terms of bigs. Versus wings. I just think Okongwu is good. Killian Hayes. No. I know he's had a nice preseason. No, we don't need to say anything else. Oh, uh, <laughs> a bet a bet on yourself guy, Obi Toppin. You know what? From, from no cool. minutes behind Randall to starting at the four in a system that should really benefit him. Really help him. I could see him saying, if you're not offering me like something good, yep. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go. Totally agree with you. I think the system fits great for him. This is a guy who, if this trade was a year ago and he had he was entering an extension year off of playing for the Pacers for a full year, I could say yes. 
Um, but I think this is, I think this is a no, I think, uh, him and Aaron Naismith, I think those, both those guys got to play it out. Naismith's interesting because they, I could see something happen in there. Yeah. I mean, maybe like in that nine to 10 range, Yeah, you know, like that kind of like that utility guy type. He's, he was the 14th pick in this draft, by the yeah. way. So we've, now we've done Neesmith. I could, but then the, the competition for minutes behind Toppin is really, really strong. You've got yeah. the Walker kid they just drafted, a whole bunch of backup centers, and Jalen Smith, whatever he ends up being for them, and Neesmith and somebody I might be forgetting off the top of my head. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a crowded group. Uh, I don't, I, Obi's an interesting one. Because again, it could just be that mid-level trap. Like, if you want to take something close to the mid-level, sure. Why would I do that? I don't know. It depends on the player. Uh, Jalen Smith. I'm sorry, we we missed uh, Denny Avdia. Um, I don't see no. it. I don't. Why? I don't see it. I just think you know, with new front office there, new management. Unless you're another guy, you're going to get on the cheap. Um, I just think you're going to play out the season and see where where you know where this goes. There does it could be tough talk seventy two hours out because of the lack of teams with cap space because of the CBA uncertainty coupled with the cap not uncertainty but sort of how much is it going to rise and how fast there do seem to be a lot of teams that are like if you're just an okay player with an okay track record anyway we're just gonna we're cool like letting you Austin Reeves is a name I've heard a lot look what happened to Austin Reeves. Nobody came through with the offer sheet and he got back to the Lakers on a deal that is insanely team friendly. And by the way, Koulibaly has started most of the preseason games for the Wizards. He might actually start actual games over Avdia. So I'm going, I'm with you. Um, Jalen Smith is fine. Whatever. We don't need to talk about him. Kyra Lewis. I like Kyra Lewis. I got a soft spot. Do we need to talk about him? No. No, Cole Anthony, it falls into the your minutes may drop a little bit category with all the competition internally. I don't I don't I mean, I don't know what if they if they view him as a potential trade asset, extending him now would complicate that. Correct. Yeah. With poison pill restriction. Are you a no? I'm a no. Yeah, I think just guard heavy. Um, that's more of a played out. Beef stew got done. Yep. Just a curious deal, timing-wise. Yeah, you never see July. Um, I think that was right around Summer League. Summer League. Summer League had broke, right? Right around there. You never see July extensions. Keldon Johnson a year ago. Um, you know, usually you see him right this uh, the weekend leading up into the deadline. Um, but that was uh, interesting. The timing was a little bit interesting there. Um, speaking of Spurs, Keldon Johnson, Devin Bissell, not a rookie class extension. I would keep an eye on Zach Collins. Yes, as a I've heard it multiple times. Veteran yes. extension candidate. <sighs> if we had, if we had the budget for like sad music, we would cue it up. Cue it up right now. I'm trying to think who, we, where are we going here? Alexei Pokashevsky. Oh, I don't see it. Sorry. Very interesting one, and again, could just be in this mid-level trap of like, we'll offer you something around there. You may not take it. Because what's the point? Um, Josh Green, Dallas yeah. Mavericks. You know, what's crazy with him is that um, I have it here. Uh, him, Luca has been the only guy that's been since 08. Luca is the only rookie coming off his rookie contract who has signed an extension. With the Dallas, Mavericks. In Dallas, yeah. Um, 
40% on threes, 60% on twos last season. Um, selective, team- selective, a selective shooter, Bobby. <laughs> I joked in my, in my league pass <laughs> rankings, he might run a dribble handoff with invisible players. Like he just might get the ball. hand. Oh, nobody's here. Anyone want to come get the ball? <laughs> but I, a player I like, he's a creative player. He's a yeah. good passer. He can catch and go. If you close out on him, he's a good defender. Like I think they should start him over Omax to start this. If they're serious about winning, and they have to be. I think they should start Josh Green. Um, I agree with you. I mean, 160 million in salary next year. They only have three. You're uh, saying they should offer Josh Green 160 million dollars no, a year? No, I Is don't. That what you're I arguing? They need to worry about the luxury tax next year. But I do think he's another guy in that mid level. I don't think he's a. Yeah, you know, I think he's a you know 13, 14 million dollar guy. All of these cases to me, almost for both sides though, a little bit more for the team are just why not just take this into the summer like mm-hmm. what what do we have to gain from this yeah one of my a player that is going to be the jv version of my pat williams i'll never be out precious achua yeah. if i were the raptors he's a guy i might like a lot of people have forgotten about him super disappointing season last year particularly offensively fell out of the rotation or to the fringes at, at lots of points i would go back to him and see if i could lock him up for something between the Peyton Pritchard deal and this mid-level deal we're talking about, his people may be insulted by that. That's cool. Like the guy didn't play well last year and is like a, a bench, a, a back-end rotation player, eighth, ninth guy, whatever. I would, I would sign him to that kind of deal if I were the Raptors. I don't know if he would take it, but I would go to him with it. Well, yeah, I mean, well, here's the, here's the concern from his end. His minutes dropped from twenty-three-six to fifteen-seven after the portal trade. So where is that going to go now? We got a new coach there. Is that going to be the continual? Is he going to be a 16-minute player? Now you're looking at backup center money in that eight, that seven to eight million dollar range. And are you going to get more next year as a restricted free agent? I I still like I think the shooting piece from two seasons ago was interesting, and I'd like to see him replicate that. He's he's got a real catch and go driving game if you close out on him. He's about as switchy as they come defensively. Like he's a legit plus defensive player. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't even entertain this kind of deal. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Maxi, I think they've kind of telegraphed. We're going for cap space. Sorry, Tyrese. You're yeah, amazing. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, he would have been if if we weren't dealing with cap space and cap holds. He would have been extended probably on July first with the rest of those guys. Look, I mean, if, that's- if, if if there's one thing we know, Bobby. Well thought out plans always come to fruition with the Philadelphia 76ers. Like everything they plan in advance ends up working out exactly <laughs> as they planned it out. So this will definitely work and with no repercussions. Everything will work out fine. Interesting. Yep. Uh, a bet on yourself because he's finally going to get minutes this year. Zeke Naji. If you're the Nuggets, what would you offer Zeke Naji today? What do you call Zeke Naji's agent? And and what's what's a fair deal from a fair deal that he actually might take? Um, four for twenty-seven. He's not going to take that. I thought you were going to because that's Peyton Pritchard, right? That's the comp you're going to make. That's a little less than Peyton Pritchard. Actually. Same agent that had Nasir Little who took four for twenty-eight. Yep, and uh, and there's another. He's got another guy. Well, Christian Wood took the minimum. Yep. Adam, Adam Pensack is the agent. Yep. I mean, if they can get him four for twenty-seven, that's like I think Zeke Naji is going to play this year. Yep. Very switchable, can shoot. Um, 
defensively, he's got to get stronger when he's on bigger players underneath the rim. Um, can be a little wild offensively, but I, I like Zeke Naji. I'm not taking 427. If you came in with 440, mm. maybe you assume a little bit Robert more of the Williams risk. money. Yeah, that, that, yeah, but Robert Williams is hurt all the time. I and know. like that was a really good contract for the Celtics the minute yeah. they signed it. And it's a good contract now for the Blazers. Uh, Balmaro, no. Hampton, you know, he'll get minutes for the Heat. We're down to the 24th already. Yeah. Now we're going to get to a couple of meaty ones here at the end. Ooh. Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Well, six man been. of the year runner up. I voted for him as six man of the year. Did just watch his team lose a power forward in Obi Toppin and add a guard in Dante DiVincenzo. So there's a little bit more of a crunch this year. Has not played well in the playoffs. Right. Looks at a market where it's like, okay, Orlando's got a lot of cap spaces. Am I a fit there? I mean, Orlando's got some questions at guards. They also have some good young guards. Detroit's got cap space. They've got backcourts pretty well stocked with young guys in Detroit. Washington, who the hell knows what they're going to do? The Spurs are not even going to have – they'll have a max slot-ish. They're going to use it on Emmanuel quickly. I could see the Knicks making a, a solid offer that quickly thinks is beneath him and just say, okay, let's just reconvene in July. But I don't even know – I'm assuming the Knicks to even have a conversation have got to get to 20 a year at least or I else have, they're not picking up the phone. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote, uh, and there's an, uh, an extension article on ESPN.com, and I focused on Maxi, and we'll talk about Jane McDaniels in a minute, and quickly, oh, those, yeah. were, oh, those yeah. were three guys that I really focused on, and uh, kind of why a deal will get done, why it won't, what the number would be, why certainly they've been, Knicks have been aggressive with extensions, right? Randall, Barrett, Hart, three guys the last few years, certainly the body of work of quickly, the number I have is four for 83. I bet he wouldn't take it. Maybe he would. I don't know. I haven't talked to his his people. Yeah. That's how the much? Num- how much? Um. That, but that's a number. Like that's a fair. That's a fair offer. Yeah. That that's a discussion for both sides. Yeah, and I said like you know two. Re- why why wouldn't he? You know certainly two reasons or why wouldn't it, you know? Hey, does New York look at him as one of their big trade chips during the year? Right. Kind of you extend him, poison pill. Right. He's off the table. And does he, does he look at what you know? He's not going to get. Um, you know, Devin Vassell money, but does he look at that and say, wait a minute, you know, 80 total 20 per, if I play, you know, my minutes increase or do I, if I have a year like last year, can I get more here? Um, the number that I, that number, that four for 83 is comparable to what Murray, uh, DeJounte Murray and, and Derek White signed within in San Antonio on their extensions based on where the cap is. That's kind of where that is. Both demonstrably superior players yeah. to Emmanuel quickly and mm-hmm. project to be for, and I, I like Emmanuel quickly. Uh, how much does extending it quickly at that number? I don't have his, his salary in front of me. I assume it's like three or four ish this year, yeah. four or something. Yeah. Um, how much does extending him at a number about at about twenty a year complicate if the Knicks found themselves in position to make a big trade this season? Does, how much does the base year compensation thing hurt it, us? It complicates it. it. It's not like a guy who signed a $35 million contract with basically off the, the board. Guys like like Peyton Pritchard, that doesn't complicate it. Those guys in that 7 to $8 million range, because the, as the poison pill is basically, it's the average of your last year in your contract and the four year, whatever years of the extension. And that's the formula there as far as outgoing salary here. 
I think 20 would make it a little more difficult. There's only been one player traded um, who signed a rookie extension with the poison pill um, restriction. And that was Devin Harris. And that was us or uh, not us, but me in Brooklyn or New Jersey when we did Jason Kidd trade back in, I think, 2007 or 2008. And Devin was on like an eight, eight million per year extension. And that made it a lot easier to move. Um, but 20, I think 20 does complicate it a little bit more. With apologies to Malachi Flynn, who may actually get minutes this yeah. year for the Raptors, let's go to the single mediest extension negotiation in the NBA, and that's Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. Jaden McDaniels, from what I heard, was seeking, and good for him, he should, a large amount of money before Devin Vassell signed for a large amount of money. And if I'm Jaden McDaniels, I'm saying that dude got that, playing 38 games on a team, with no stakes, yeah, I didn't average 18 and a half a game, but I shot it well from three. I'm already an all-defense level player. You, you you, guys, Minnesota, all you people I'm negotiating with, the brass expressed outrage that I didn't make an all-defensive team, so you obviously agree that I'm one of the 10 best defense players in the NBA. Yeah, I punched a wall. Sorry. Um, I'm essential to your team in a critical two- or three-year period. I'm a I'm a winning three and D player and, and watch me do a little bit more with the ball this year. Pay up. Pay up 30. It's gotta start with a three. It's gotta start with a three. And that's aggressive. I don't know what I mean, and Minnesota's looking at like hundred and ninety million dollars next year if they re-sign him for around thirty. Um without a point guard and without Kyle Anderson. I have no idea what the hell the Wolves are supposed to do with this. Do you just let this go to July? Well, here, here's a couple things. Um, Tim Connolly has been ultra aggressive, and he's come out and said it. Their you know president when he was in Denver and now in Minnesota, he has extended Ed, Anthony Edwards, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Kenneth Freed rookie extensions, and then an another eight players to veteran extensions, including Towns and, and Jokic. Okay, so there is an aggressiveness there. This is what he told John Krasinski of the Athletic. In my experience in Denver and here, we like to reward people who earned it. Okay. So take that into consideration. But man, as I wrote, there is a financial wrecking ball coming. Like it is coming as far as where they are with finances. You have three guys on Max, Supermax, Edwards, Gobert, Towns, the Conley situation, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You have no point guard next year. You're going to be in a luxury tax on a big McDaniels number here. You're going to be in it now. Or you're going to be in it next year unless you and you figure out your finances. Here's what my number is for um, for Jaden McDaniels, and I'm looking at the Mikhail Bridges number in Phoenix based on where the cap is now. Okay, not not back then with the percentage not, so of the not cap. raw dollar for dollar match to Mikhail Bridges. This is what I would offer five for one thirty four, which works out to what. 26, 27, yeah. something like that. Yep. I bet you would say no. I mean, I, you know what though? You know what though? You say that and first of all, you do ha you do hear players including some of the guys that we've talked about. You do hear rumblings that they care about the 100 million dollar mark, that they would like to hit the 100 million dollar mark. Yep. I sit here and say 5134. It's like the same thing with Vassell. I had some people tell me as good as that deal was for the Spurs or for Vassell they could maybe they could have squeezed a little more, and you just want to say squeeze a little more. The dude played thirty eight games last year and just got paid one hundred and thirty six million dollars or whatever. Like, what more do you want? 
134 million dollars for Jaden McDaniels, who, you know, has kind of not has barely been a double digit scorer and punched a wall. It like it it's hard to just play be that cold and calculate about it. He may just, but that's a that's a large that's a large number, and he's what if it, there is an extension, it's going to be a large number. Yeah, I just you know it's it's. I think from Minnesota's perspective, it's like the problems you have now are going to be the problems next offseason, unless you're making a trade, right? Like your financial situation is your financial situation here. And he, he's a guy that, you know, could he, could he make more as a restricted free agent? Is there a a team out there that would come in, you know, with, as you said, there's, you know, eight or nine teams with room and it's basically the same teams we see every year, Detroit, Orlando, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. He'd be fun in Detroit. Although the Thompson kid, we have to see what what Asar Thompson does on the wing for them. Washington could use just anything and everything. Um, All right, Bobby, that's it. We we got through the whole first round. Thank you. That's it. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're at seven players that have been extended. The last two years, it's been 12 and 12. So we're trending down here. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to go, we're going to fall below that number. Um, the, you know, the average number we've seen the last couple of years. I think it's just, I think it's circumstances. Maxi could have, as you say, could have been in there. Um, and, you know, I think that's just kind of, that's where we are right now. Bobby Marks must read on ESPN.com, including about the rookie extensions all over the airwaves everywhere at ESPN. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Zach. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, now... Now it's time to get serious about the NBA season. Now it's time yeah, for baby. the most it's the most important preview content that we have at espn.com. Little Disney synergy cuz it's time to talk about my beloved but nothing compared to Kevin Clark, no longer of the Ringer Omaha Productions. ESPN, you can see him on around the horn, the host of This Is Football and one of four, I think, true Orlando Magic fans that no. I know in life. How are you, Kevin? Who are the other three? Nick Friedel. Shout out, Nick. Uh-huh. Guy I met once at the airport. <laughs> and I maybe it's just three. And really, it's just you two and a guy. No, so I, uh, someone who works in the NBA. Uh, I'll just call him Dan. 
So I don't know if you know Jason McIntyre uh, from Fox Sports, but one time I was walking through LAX and I had all this luggage. I'm going down and Jason just yells, Kevin. And I look up and I see him. I say, hi. And I said, and I had my ha- my magic hat pulled down to my ears or my uh, my eyes. And I said, uh, you know, how did you know it was me? It was so far away. And he's like, well, I just saw a magic hat and I figured odds are how many, how many magic hats in LA could there be? And so he just yelled my name. So as a football person, that's your sport. And you're so good at what you do that I occasionally, knowing nothing, I don't even have surface level football knowledge anymore, but I will read and listen to you every now and then because I just find it so interesting. Do you ever see a, a jersey in real life that's so strange where you're like, I just need to stop this stranger and ask like, how and why did you purchase this item? In, in football? In football yeah. life? Yeah, I'd say that you see that a lot, especially I go to a lot of preseason games and you'll see folks who just like show up and they've got the jersey from like 2003 at the backup quarterback or like in places like Cleveland or Chicago, the novelty is the sort of failed quarterback or the quarterback who only started for three games. There's a, a niche there that I think is important. The, the uh, obscure jersey subculture is extremely important. Um, so like I have a Ronnie Cycli magic Jersey, obviously, um, I'm trying to think of the other, the other obscure jerseys that I have. Um, why did you not wear the Ronnie Cycli Jersey for this podcast? I mean, I can't imagine, I can't, that's a rough look in real life for most, for most guys, the Jersey. It's a tough look. I have a Bo Outlaw Jersey that I wear everywhere that fits me like a glove, uh, famously or unfamously. I had Bo Outlaw announce the arrival of my child uh, on Twitter <laughs> last year. So that all kind of came full circle. Um, but the thing about Orlando is they were so bad. We can get into that when we talk a little bit about my favorite team, but they were so bad for so long that there wasn't a huge, um, like there were a lot of obscure jerseys. You know, you could get Kelvin Cato, like Corlos Arroyo was a big jersey there for a couple of years. Um, he was kind of a folk hero in Orlando. It's cute to hear you saying they were so bad. For well, so no, long. but there's there was the second were. glory era. They were, <laughs> there was a second glory era where it's fine to have like a Hito jersey or a Charlotte Lewis jersey, or yeah, jersey. Sure. yeah. But the problem was sense. like it, was, it went Penny Shack, Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson. By the way, I have, I have a Dennis Scott jersey I wear all the time. Um, and then there was just nothing for a while. I mean, T Mac obviously, uh, but then they weren't good. They won a playoff series in 1996, 2008. Uh, so any jersey really was kind of a an obscure jersey for a while. I only asked because I was walking around New York the other day from meeting to meeting to meeting. So one of the things I miss living in the suburbs is just the daily I got a sprint walk between four different meetings in New York City and time and timing like, all right, I got 15 street blocks and two avenue blocks and 13 minutes to do it. And can I do it? And I saw coming at me a Marvin Bagley, the third Sacramento Whoa. Kings jersey. And I almost stopped the guy and was like, I'm willing to be five minutes late to this meeting because I just need to know, like, two years later, Detroit Pistons year number two, still rocking the Marvin Bagley the third jersey, (laughs) just proudly down Third Avenue or so. I just, but I didn't stop him. All right, Magic. So here's where we are, Kevin Clark. It's a big year for the Magic. You're excited. Huger. We're going to talk about them. And here's how I have the East mapped out. All right, because you're you're all in for the play-in, right? The, the, you're not getting your hopes too uh, higher than that. You're not thinking top six. You are all in for the play-in, seven to ten, right? That is my realistic expectation. If there's a huge leap, and we can get to sort of the best case, worst case scenarios, I am taking dead aim at the play-in game. Okay, 
Here's my here's my very tentative top seven in the East. Sure. Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, New York, Philadelphia, Miami, and then I have a soft spot for the Hawks. I don't know where I'm going to put them. I'm going to make that a group of seven. We could disagree if you want. I think the Hawks are going to have a good year. I'm a big Quinn Snyder believer. Now, if you want to tell me that between... Forget the the Hawks are kind of in own in their separate category, and the Zach Lowe just irrationally likes them netherworld for no reason. If you want to tell me you're going to short one of the Knicks, the Heat, and the Sixers, they're, they're just the Sixers. Obviously, there's just a constant show. James Harden was just reported mispractice again today, Thursday, due to personal reasons. I wonder what the personal reason is. <laughs> Who knows? Could be anything. That he's James Harden. The personal is James he, Harden. That's the person that he is. Yeah. Is yep. James Harden. Um, if you want to tell me that you short them and they have one of those three teams has a below expectations, that's fine. Um, those are my top seven. If that is the top seven in some order, and it's not going to be, it's yeah. crazy stuff already always happens. That leaves spots eight, nine, and ten, three spots. Uh-huh. I have five teams fighting for three spots: Toronto, Brooklyn, Chicago, your Orlando Magic, mm-hmm. and the Indiana Pacers. I had Charlotte there. Until the latest disturbing and harrowing yeah. Miles Bridges news. And now I'm just like, there's just, it's just, forget the, the, the basketball stuff is not important. Let's make that clear. This is a basketball podcast. There's just too much stuff going on in Charlotte. I'm putting them down a tier. So those, those are the teams you're competing with for, for eight, nine, 10. Toronto, Brooklyn, Chicago, Indiana, and the Magic. Um, the Magic starting five is going to be Fultz, Suggs. Good Wagner, Bancaro, Carter, bench, a little bit of a mystery. They'll be staggering some minutes, but they'll be your Cole yep. Anthony, Gary Harris. Jonathan Isaac is alive and He's playing back. basketball. He's back. We're not only going to get why I stand by Jonathan Isaac and read it on here. We're going to get his uh, conservative athleisure brand sweatpants and we're going to wear them around Connecticut, buddy. How do you, you know what? I'm just, I, I, the question came into my brain and then my <laughs> brain said, move on. So I'm moving on. Um, and Mo Wagner will be the backup center, and we'll see who else plays out of the Gary Harris, Joe Ingles, blah, blah, blah. So just – just we can go through the over-unders and the win projections, but just that grouping, yeah. am I dis, is it disrespectful to the Orlando Magic right off the bat? To put them in that group? Just Are you just – like – just do you feel like I'm already too pessimistic? Are you more enthusiastic than Well, this? I'll let you. I mean, listen, we're going to come come at this from very different angles. And you can talk me off certain stances I have, certain corners I'm on. But I feel like Franz and Paolo are developing into. I'm not saying they're there now. I'm not saying they're going to be there this year. They're developing into the biggest mismatch duo um, maybe uh, among young cores in the NBA. And I think there's a lot there. Like Franz, I can't stop watching Franz. Like my YouTube short algorithm is Norm MacDonald show clips and Attitude Era WWE like surprise returns, like Stone Cold coming back and everybody going crazy. And then Franz doing whatever. There's hundreds of different Franz clips are being fed to me every single day on YouTube and I need hundreds more. Um, I kind of feel like he's a basketball genius. And maybe... Uh, maybe this is like a, a stupid qualifier. I feel that Paolo is going to be the best player on the Magic. Franz is the most important to me in the rebuild because of all the different things he can do and where his career goes. What kind of player does he want to be? Um, how does his scoring 
develop. Um, I saw, I think it was Chris Mannix had a scout basically say that he didn't take the leap that they thought he, he should have last year. I completely disagree with that. Can He's I just mastered- also, can I just also use this moment as a, as a, as a media critic to yeah, say uh, enough with the anonymous scouts, we need oh. to stop the anonymous scout preview thing. Because they just say whatever they want. Do you have scouts being like, that guy sucks and he's a bad guy? And I'm like, okay, so anonymous scout guy, cool. You just slandered this dude. You have no name attached to it. And also, like, it should be art. Like, why can't we give our own opinion? Why do we have to lean into these scouts and be like, hey, can you say some crazy about these dudes? Yeah. So I really early on in my career, I was in a press box with with a scout. And this was 2012. And the scout was taking me through some of the most overrated, underrated players. We're just having like a meal. You know how it goes. The scouts are just hanging around in the press box. And the scout was like Richard Sherman. This was after his breakout season. He was like, Richard Sherman talked his way into stardom. He sucks. He sucks. And so I'm like this naive 20, whatever, 20 something. And I'm like, well, a scout said it. So I'm short Richard Sherman. And then like, I didn't have some platform to like tweet that Richard Sherman sucked, but like in my head, I'm walking around being like, I got this sourced info that Richard Sherman sucks. And then it turns out that Richard Sherman was one of the best corners of the generation. He won one Super Bowl, should have won another. Absolute, fo- you want to talk about football genius, it's him. Like, and it was just this one opinion. And it's like, oh wait, you know what? Some scouts are morons. I'm looking in the camera for the YouTube audience. Some scouts are morons. I and thought, I feel I like you- we need- we I thought need you were to... about to say, Kyle, turn on the TikTok camera. I thought you were about to. <laughs> I can't be, I can't get on TikTok because otherwise that would ruin my algorithm of Franz highlights and WWE attitude. Oh, right, yeah. So go back to Franz. The, the leap, um, the, the, the skeptical yeah. scouts said leap was not made. Yeah. Uh, leap was not made. I completely disagree. He can do pretty much anything you want on the court. He drives um, off ball, on the ball. He's he's really good and and there's a couple of shortcomings that the team had last year. Like the ball movement was not as good as the talent of the passers, right? And this is a team that I was looking at the player tracking data before I came on here. Fifth fastest team on defense by miles per hour, 10th on top 10 on offense. Um sixth in points off drives, but then they don't pass off the drives. Only the Grizzlies had fewer passes off drives last year. Um, I believe they were bottom five and just literally number of passes. The ball movement could be a hell of a lot better. And you see that with the spacing and maybe, and we're, I think we're going to talk about potential moves here down the road, but like maybe they need just a couple guys who can help with the space, but the way Franz and Paolo operate in tight quarters and the spatial awareness is really special. And I feel like they have the capability to be, unguardable in a couple of years, um, especially if they they make the moves that they were expecting them to make. Paolo's efficiency needs to go up. We can get into that. Even as I think he was, was one of the worst two-point shooters in the league last year. Um, the shooting just needs to get better. But just from the the profile of that these guys are playing, there's going to be a leap and it's going to happen every single year. And one year, and it may not be this year, this team in the parlance of, uh, of NBA Twitter is going to be a problem. Um, so they're both going to be multiple time all-stars That's as, correct. A, as a floor. I will give you this. One of them will make their first all-star team either this season or next season. Within the next two seasons, the Magic are going to have an all-star representative in Indianapolis or wherever the next game is. So here's the, here's the optimistic Magic case. 34 and 48 last year, but 29 and 28 after yes. a... Five and twenty start. That's one game also, over five hundred. Depending on how you look at it, a top five defense during that stretch. 
could be a top, they they were fifth or sixth in points per possession points allowed per possession. Their scoring differential, if you want to poo poo the twenty nine to twenty eight, was minus forty five in that twenty nine to twenty eight stretch. But if you want to poo poo the poo pooers, their last three games where they played bowl bowl Chuma OKK me and you, they were minus fifty four alone in in those three games. So they're plus before then. So that looks like a pretty real sample of five hundred basketball now. Here are the over-unders for the teams that I mentioned, the Vegas over-unders. This is how bunched up this is. And I, like, I have no idea how to project these five teams. Orlando, 36 and a half. Brooklyn, 36 and a half. Toronto, 36 and a half. Mm-hmm. Chicago, 37 and a half. Indiana, 38 and a half. The bad news for you, win projections by the nerds, John Hollinger and Kevin Pelton. Orlando for Hollinger, only 32. Hollinger hates this Magic team. Did you read or, his thing? Yes. Or, Orlando for Pelton, only 35. They have Both of them have the Nets and the Raptors in the 40s. And Indiana around 39, 37. Orlando is uh, the worst in the nerd win projections of these two humans, um, which makes me, you know, look, look twice. And so I want you to sit here. Yeah. And go team by team. We'll start just with make the magic case, and then we'll go team by team. Yeah. Why you are better. Why the magic are going to beat or outwin at least some of these teams. <laughs> all right. We'll start with the magic case. First of all, speaking of Kevin Pelton, he came on, I believe, this show last year. And we first of all, we talked, you and I talked about the floor that Paolo has because he can get to the line. And maybe he'll get officiated differently as his career progresses. But right now, he gets to the line, he drives to the basket, and the guys who get those that many free throws this early in their career tend to be not just stars but superstars. If you just look at at the raw numbers there, um, and so, but Pelton said the efficiency was generally similar to Durant's rookie year efficiency when the year that he came in the league and was carrying the load. Um, and that they were like, hey, we don't know what to do. We don't have a coherent offense. You do everything. We'll see what happens. The um, Seattle, and, the late great Seattle yeah, Supersonics. Yeah, yes, of course. And so uh, I think that there's a case to be made that once this offense gets a little more molded, um, once we have an identity with the starting five and the units and Franz takes the leap, um, and then the two rookies who are one, Joe Ingles is, I'm not saying Joe Ingles is the reason Powell is going to make a leap, but like Joe Ingles and Jet uh, and Jet Howard obviously are able to to shoot space. We just have some of that now. Uh, Anthony Black looks awesome so far, uber athletic. Bruce Selman with this amazing piece that basically he would have been like a a unbelievable college wide receiver if he chose that path. Other And that's that's what I love to hear about my, my ultra athletic top 10 picks. Um, and so I think there's going to be a leap. I think that there's going to be a style of play where we sort of understand it. Franz and Paolo played so well together last year um, and they're so flexible. And speaking of Chris Mannix, like I think that uh, one of his anonymous scouts, and I'll, I'll allow this one because it's positive. Like you can use Paolo as sort of a, I mean, he's the young version of this, obviously, but in the same way, the Bucks use Giannis where you can really put him on anybody. Uh, you can put him on any, any place in the floor. Um, the versatility is there. And so really this is up to coach Mosley um, to figure out how to mold this, but I feel like they're only going to get better. This is the worst and least efficient. This magic team will be last year where they made a 12 win leap. And so at some point, they're going to make another leap like that, and it's going to happen this year into the playoff game. 
Well, you mentioned the versatility of Paolo. Team USA, who did not do all that well at the FIBA World Cup, but he was their backup center, screening, rolling, diving, stuff he doesn't get to do. Absolutely. Totally committed to defense. And we already know what the defense looks like. Do you know when the last time the Magic had a top 10 offensive rating? Well, I mean, the stat that you and I talk about, I feel I, I'm a little actually worried that it's going to be 2028 20, and we're still going to be talking about this. They have not, forget top 10. They have not been in the top half. 20, top 20, 11 years in a, in since 2012. That is a streak of such staggering impotence. Like you just would luck into the 18th best offense. What? No. And they're going to be bad again. Like this is the, this is why Hollinger. No, hates but we, the there's team. a defensive floor, and the offense can only get better. Is what I'm saying. That's the optimistic case. I will say about the 2012 thing, they played the Pacers that year in the playoffs and lost. And I just started dating my now wife, and I said, "Hey, I briefed her. We were at a restaurant watching the Pacers, and I said, "Hey, when the Magic make the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm gonna this, not this year, but any year in our relationship, I'm gonna fly down." to Orlando, one-way ticket. I'm not coming back until they're out of the playoffs. And she was like, I agree to this. And we, not only have they not even come close, uh, we are married, we have a child, and we live in a house north of the city after living in two other cities. Like, that's how long it's been since the Magic had a top half offense. We're going to be in a nursing home, and I'm going to fly down to the Magic. Eastern but the verse, the, the, your point about the versatility of Bancaro is is fun. Um, I'm interested to see how that looks when Mo Wagner is kind of the stretch-ish five. I want to see the Isaac Bancaro four-five combination. If you like, if John can Jonathan Isaac just play, just play. I don't know if he's how he helps the offense at all, what position he is, what he's going to do on offense, but defensively he's just a monster. But um, any in any case, and they have they're going to have to stagger Wagner and Bancaro because they just the offense will die without one of them on the floor, and they'll do all that stuff. All right, so take me. Take me team by team. Let's go team by team. And you can we'll just play a game of Magic Fan tells me why this team is no good. And we'll start well, with the Brooklyn okay. Nets. Tell me why this team is no good and or worse than the Orlando Magic. So is this Ben Simmons Australia Esquire cover real? Have you seen this? <laughs> I I just, yes, I I saw some tweets shirtless. I I don't know if he ever wears a shirt in he if he, does he yeah, only they get wear that, a shirt? How they get a shirt? How they get a shirtless pick of Ben Simmons? Did, does he only wear a shirt during basketball games and just re- in regular life he's he just could, walking around without think, a shirt? Do you think he's pitched the nets on like a, a skins night? That, Where that's, look, that's the next if, – if Nike can't figure out what to do with their jerseys, that's the next step. All right. so But look, jokes aside, he looks actually good. He's going oh to start. God. I'm skeptical of the Simmons-Claxton thing on offense, but they're going to start him. And off the bench, they have like actual good NBA players. Royce O'Neal, Finney Smith. They'll keep one of Simmons and Dinwiddie on the floor. Dayron Sharp, backup five. They got a bunch of like other random guys that are all pretty. The Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith, Cam Tom, blah, blah, blah. They're not. That's like, I don't know what they're. They kind of are bullsy in that the gap between their ceiling and their floor is just like, this is very small, but I, I think they're okay. 38 to 42 fine. wins seemed fine to me. I think they're fine. But what you're describing, and I was going to tell this with the Bulls too, where the ceiling is, is unfortunately, I hate to use this term, but the ceiling is mediocrity. The ceiling is mediocrity. The ceiling on the Magic is so freaking high. Now, it might not be this year. It might be the year after. But it only takes a little bit for these guys to unlock their potential. The other thing is, like, Hollinger really murdered the offense, and that's that's fine. Um, but he also said, remember, there's 
couple expirings here on that roster that could be pushed in the middle of the table. Hollinger threw out Malcolm Brogdon as a possibility uh, that would unlock some things for the Magic. I think there's, there's other guys who are probably on the table. We can get to that. But like um, the ceiling on the Magic is significantly higher than a bunch of the teams you're naming here. I Long term, totally agree. I, I love I think Wendell Carter Jr. is now the most underrated player in the NBA. They have like they really. They had, yeah. Are you I, just yeah. being nice? No, I think I, I'm a huge Wendell Carter. No, I know I am too. I am too. But he, I didn't. I didn't think he was going to get the Zach Lowe. Most he could. He could NBA. walk down the street in New York or Los Angeles, and people would be like, "That guy's pretty tall." Nobody would even know who he was. Um, that's how underrated he is. They had their guard, like their guards, like Cole Anthony missed a bunch of games last year. They had a lot of guys, yeah. it, but it's really going to come down to me. The biggest, the, the, like the Suggs and Isaac pieces, like are they guys or are they just not going to so be guys? Suggs, and by the way, on Suggs, okay. like I, I, they, he's not going to be gifted this starting job forever anymore. They have competition uh, yeah. coming for him. Okay. So the Suggs thing is interesting because he's a tenacious defender and he's going to have a nice NBA career. And I mean, elite, like an absolute lockdown defender. Does he provide enough offense in that backcourt to help the magic this year? I don't know. And then you get into what, what does he become a trade piece where it's like, okay, we can, we can package this together and he still has value. I think that He's going to get better as a shooter, but he's not going to get all that much better. Um, he has gotten better, by the way. Um, I think there's a ceiling on him, but he is going to find a place in the NBA as someone you do not want to see across from you if you're a, a, a guard. Chicago. Kobe White's so, going to start, which is yeah. interesting. Levine, DeRozan, Williams, for now, Vucevic. Off the bench, Caruso. Bunch of stagger starter minutes. Drummond, Torrey Craig's going to be the backup for. It's just so eh. It's eh. It's all. So it's funny. I was just on the phone uh, with uh, my buddy, my Bulls buddy, Andy Johnson. He runs the Friday Great Golf website, and we we're talking about this. And I was like, "Give me, give me the best case, best case you can make for the Bulls." He said, "The problem for the Magic, for a team like the Magic, is that the Bulls strive for mediocrity. That's the goal, and the Magic are building something." significant the bulls are actually like taking dead aim at the playoff and that's what they want like that they're like we got to get this nine seed we're so into this nine seed so that's our our what if we get distracted during our build on the way to the play-in game this year and all of a sudden the bills the bulls box us out um that's the that's the risk but i just first of all you talk about carter carter's better than vooch right now and he was more or less a throw-in in that trade um i just don't see Maybe I'm overrating our own talent. I'm happy to to be accused of that, but I I just see a better one through five. I mean, you made the case for the Bulls. I mean, I just look the the Levine DeRozan Vooch is has more or less been like a plus or minus zero in two yes. plus seasons together. They just don't play that well together. The Bulls, I think, are optimistic that Kobe White again. Nobody cares. Nobody watched. Kobe White got meaningfully better last season. <laughs> they they think he can help with that group. Patrick Williams extension talks are going to be interesting. Their bench has like it's just it, if they can't unlock that starting five to be better than just neutral, I just don't see how there are anything other than again like they're over under like high thirties wins. Toronto. Toronto's got some dudes. I mean, they're going to start Schroeder, Barnes, Ananobi, Siakam, Pirtle. Those four with with Van Vliet was uh, the, were fantastically effective. Without Van Vliet in limited minutes, 
those four were not good. Barnes in and OBC Acomperto. And, and like Van Vliet to Schroeder is a meaningful drop-off. And the bench is like Gary Trent Jr. and a bunch of just walking question marks. Like, who's the backup mm-hmm. point guard? Is Malachi Flynn going to play? Chris Boucher, Precious Achua. Like, they're all interesting, kind of up and down, whatever. Jalen McDaniels, I think, should get minutes. Grady Dick maybe will struggle to get minutes at first. I don't know. It's an interesting team. The stats nerds love them. Low to mid-40s. I, sure. I mean, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know how... I don't love the fit of Barnes and Anobi Siakam. They all kind of do similar stuff on offense. Their own GM called the whole team selfish like two weeks ago. <laughs> um, they do. I should mention both the Nets and the Raptors owe their first round picks. They have no incentive to tank. Brooklyn right. owes to um, Houston, I think, and uh, Toronto to the Spurs. So they, they'll try. I don't know. Just what do you think? No fear I, I, of the Raptors? I mean, they have a higher ceiling than the other teams that we're describing right now. Um, I have a while I have you since you know more about basketball than anybody on the planet. Um, is Jet Howard over Grady Dick going to age poorly? I, I will give you a good answer at the end of the season. That was a oh, that thanks. was an interesting pick, though. You, that was one that like they do need shooting, and they really swung for shooting with Jet Howard. I know they really did. Um, and Anthony was, Black fits their profile yes. like 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 a glove. Long, yes. athletic. Can he shoot? We'll see. You He's almost just, wonder if it, if packaging eleven for a a veteran shooter would have been a headier play, but they know a lot more. About well, I mean, look, you've already mentioned the expirings, all the draft picks they have. They control all their own picks, and they could have up to like eighty million dollars in cap space this yeah. summer. So, like long term, at some point, I I, I do th- I will say this. Based on what I've heard, this is the last season of, hey, let's just see what we got here. You know, we got a bunch of young guys. Like, let's just see how we do. Like, this is the last year of that. If they get through Uh-oh. this year. Oh, are they like, going to rehire Scott Skiles like a couple years no, no, ago with a playoff it, mandate? It won't be a coaching thing. It's not going to be. Yeah, they yeah. love Moe's. Moe's is a good coach. I, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It will I just, just remember this, the last time they, were, they gave a playoff mandate. It didn't go well. Uh, not playoff mandate, but it just, yeah. it's just like. If, if this is a 35-win team and they get 10th, 11th, 9th, 12th, whatever, I, they're going to do something this summer to try to really hit the gas. Like, they know they cannot just be like – they cannot sell this like, oh, we just we don't want to block any of our young guys. We want to see what they have. Yeah. We're happy with it. Like, it, it can't last forever. I'll tell you, it, the team I'm most excited to watch out of this group is Indiana. I yep, cannot look, wait to watch the Pacers. It. There's a guy on Indiana that I was going to throw out as a potential piece here, so we can have this, buddy? this conversation all at once. Buddy. Buddy, who now we're in this maybe second or third year of Buddy Buddy Heald would fit the magic. And so he's he might be in the starting five of all of all all magic rumor team with Eric Bledsoe was there for a while, Paul Millsap, CJ McCollum, all of those guys were were rumored to be magic that's for great, many years. So that's that's a great alternate team. I like that. Well, Tim Duncan obviously is the wow. is the captain. Um, but that's that's a different era. Um, I think Buddy would be the absolute home run fit for this team. When you think about scoring, when you think about spacing, and just what what he gives, and it's it's realistic too. Um, like but you can like, already, I can already feel the nervousness emanating from Magic headquarters. But they're like, how are we going to learn about Jalen Suggs? Like, we got to <laughs> learn about you. And like, I think Jalen Suggs. I'm I'm with you. He is as rugged and tough of a guard. As you're going to find, he just hasn't shot it well enough. And he hasn't, he, he he's not, 
he has not been a number one or even number two ball handler. And if you're neither of those things, it's kind of like, what are, what are you on offense? If you're a guard on this team with that lacks three point shooting. Yeah. And you need shooting around Wagner and Bancaro. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, those guys are going to run your offense one way or another. So you need guards who can shoot Fultz is one of the great comeback stories in the NBA has turned himself into quite a good player. He's just kind of a weird fit still stylistically with this group but he's a he's a good play he's a net positive even for this magic team he's a net positive i got in a little bit of a, a text fight with saruti steve saruti the other day another magic fan that you know is in connecticut um and we were talking he would not trade fultz for one of these scorers and i i i would i love fultz he's the one of the best stories as you said in basketball most improved candidate pretty much every single year um but i would still I would still be I would still be completely comfortable moving him. When you say one of these scores, who are you talking about? I mean, Buddy Heald would be by far the most realistic option, right? I mean, we mentioned okay. I, I, mean, I don't I don't know if I would trade Fultz for Buddy Heald though. No, you wouldn't. Okay, really? For the needs the Magic have. I just like Fultz. Now, he's extension eligible now on a $17 million right. number. Heald is also expiring on a $19 million number. And I don't think extension talks with the Pacers are going right. I read uh, that. swimmingly currently. That could always change. There's no deadline on either of these extensions. I just feel like Fultz has a chance to be a winning player. And I'm not as convinced that Buddy Heald, because of his limitations on defense, is a winning big stage player. Interesting. Um, so a couple of things about that. Number one is the, dif- the, especially the interior defense. I think we were top five in, like, I think no team after the all-star break uh, allowed less shots under 10 feet than the magic last year. Um, they just, and they I think teams shot a lot of threes on them, but interior defense has never really been a problem. We can get our defense elsewhere. You mentioned the fit with Fultz. I just wonder how the pieces all fit together with the backcourt that, do, that doesn't score at an elite level. What do you think about John Hollinger's Malcolm Brogdon idea? It's a good idea. I think you would, if you're willing, if you're looking for a short-term boost and you really want to make the play and depending on what the price is, I think that's a, a fine idea but again it's gonna block i mean it just like is is cole anthony just not in the picture anymore for you long term like, no, he, like I, I, long term i wouldn't sign him to a significant i i would rather try to get trade value for him than commit huge money to him you would know more about it more than i do about what kind of money he would command but i i don't think that i don't i think with a core that's going to get very expensive very quickly two max deals coming in the next few years you just start to worry about for guys sure. getting money when they're not part of, of the whole thing. I mean, um, Malcolm Brogdon I, is better than all the guards on the Magic right now. Um, is he better enough that you want to block them from learning, more, from playing more, and you get to see more about Maybe you're more comfortable blocking a, or moving a Cole Anthony who's in the last year of his deal. I'll tell you, though, restricted free agency next summer might not be so friendly um, for some of these guys who make it their restricted free agency. I'm going to talk about that with Bobby Marks. A little more, but yeah, that, he'd help. I mean, it just depends how much you care about getting in the play-in this year. I, I, I think that I don't care about playing in the actual game. I would probably fly down there, have a great time for one of the games. I meet you and Saruti at Chili's, um, but I don't think somewhere in somewhere in Central Connecticut will figure that out. Um, but I, I don't. I think that the play-in game is incidental to the growth. Does that make sense? 
Like they're going to make the play in because they're on a trajectory to be a top six seed the following year. And so I don't actually, I'm not looking at mile markers. I'm just saying if we take the growth step that I think we're going to take, we're going to make the play. in. So it's not, I don't want to raise a banner or buy a t-shirt or be like the wolves a couple of years ago. It's more about if these guys are the core we think they are, of course they're going to make the play. In. So here's where I end up. I listed those seven. I said one or two of those seven are going to be worse, maybe significantly worse than we expect. Cause that's just what happens in the NBA. I still think all seven of those teams, Boston, Milwaukee, those top seven are going to be better than Orlando. Just that's not a hot take. That's just real life. Um, <laughs> if you're putting the proverbial Nerf gun to my head and you're asking me, is Orlando better than the following teams? I'm going Indiana. I think Indiana's a little better this year. Toronto, I think Toronto might be a little better this year. Brooklyn's Brooklyn and Chicago are both close. If if it's like a coin flip, are they top ten or not? I think I would lean a little bit like to eleven or 12, but not out of reach. That's I love, I like Indiana a lot. And those, those other teams are veteran heavy and gunning to win. It's good. The more I, I, I was gung ho on the magic, like over 36 and a half play in or bust. And the more I looked at about it, at it, and the more I thought about it, I was like, it's a, it's a dicier bet than I thought. Like I'm not as optimistic anymore that they're going to be top 10. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to myself. I want, I, I, this is this is a team I have such a soft spot for. But they, it's not it's not like out of play by any means. It's like fifty one forty nine. It's just less okay, of a chance right. that well, I. Well, let thought. me ask you this. Let me ask you this. We we fast forward. We sim. We super sim to May, at April, and they're ninth. Okay, what happened? Like what happened with the Magic season that got them to nine? In your opinion, that you do, you are not currently penciling in right now. One of their guards makes a meaningful leap. Sure. Joe Ingles gives them legitimate 18 to 20 minutes yeah. off the bench of really good shooting, playmaking, pick and roll. All of a sudden, like he's finding Bancaro for lobs and doing the pass fake thing that he's clowned people with for years. Um, <laughs> Mo Wagner, A minus backup center, yeah. stabilizes that position that's been a, sort of a, a revolving door for a while. Nothing big. Like I'm not even factoring in Isaac. I'm just a, I'm just factoring in a nothing for I not yeah. nothing, but like I I don't know what to project for him. Um if he gives you anything, that's a plus. I just don't know what he is offensively. It's mostly that somewhere in the perimeter rotation, somebody hits big and somebody hits like Ingles hits small. Yes. I mean, Ingles, it, I, I see the process behind Ingles and I love it. Like, we just need someone to sh- sit back there and hit threes. That's great. He might Somebody's be the best. He shots. might be the best passer on the team. Well, Fultz is probably the best passer. It, it's close. Like, he's, he's that good of a the floor and he's going to hit threes. It's going to be great. Any parting magic thoughts? I mean, l- look, long term, these two, like, the first thing I said was both these guys are going to be multiple time all stars as a floor. One of them is making one of the next two all star teams. Like, that's the foundation of the team. And Carter. I think Carter's there for a long time. I think Carter. I think that is a three-man foundation to be thrilled with. They just need someone else who can dribble and shoot at a high, high level, and they don't have it yet. That's fine. My only party magic thought is you asked me to prepare my favorite magic team ever, and I just want to shout out the 2008 team, the year before they made the finals, as my favorite team of all time. Why is that your favorite team of all time? All right. So I have – this is going to be a long-winded. I'm going to keep it as tight as possible. So – they go from 96 to 2008 without winning a playoff series. In between, 
there were more rumors about whether or not they were going to move than the actual basketball team. And there were people, I don't know if it was like weird anti-tax money people or whatever. They would literally, people in Orlando would have like Kansas City Magic bumper stickers um, as like a protest thing because they wanted the team to leave. There was, I'm, I'm talking about a very, very small minority of people. Shaq I'm leaving like, in free agency is what is what precipitates yes. all of and, this. And then Tim Duncan not coming and leaving Tracy McGrady as a very good steward of the franchise, but not enough to win a playoff series, right? And like, there's a great quote from this guy, Jimmy Greaves, who was a soccer star in the 60s, who said that like, people would come up to him and they would, they would start to tell him stories about goals he scored. And then halfway through the story, he would start to realize they're really just telling a story about themselves. And it's like, oh, then I poured my drink on my buddy. And it's like, oh, it actually wasn't about the goal at all, right? And so what this team signified, uh, it was, it's kind of like what we're talking about right now with, it was a magic team getting ready to get good. They beat the Raptors in their first round. And that was part of the growth of the team. Um, It was important that they won the playoff series, but it was also just a sign that they were going to be really good the next year. Um, And so we played Detroit in the next round. We had lost to Detroit. Obviously they were our kind of playoff boogeyman. And they win game three, a game I was not at. I was in college at this point. And the after, weekend afternoon game, we played Detroit uh, game four. And Orlando was rocking in a way I never thought was going to be possible again after Shaq. Because it never reached those heights during T-Mac, just because we knew what the ceiling on the franchise was. And for some reason, Orlando, uh, the, the arena deal had been worked out. Everything was getting galvanized. Dwight Howard was obviously a superstar in the making. Tito had won most improved that year. Richard Lewis was a good signing. We understood why they paid so much money. It was just a, a team getting better in front of everybody's eyes and a franchise that was staying in town. And I went to that game with my family. And it was such a... It was Orlando gets really loud. I don't think people fully appreciate this. Orlando gets very, very, very loud, um, especially in the Shaq years, but certainly in the Dwight years as well. And there are people who say that it's the loudest NBA building they've ever been into when they're good. And that's obviously few and far between, but uh, in the last couple of years, but it, it, it is true, especially the older Orlando arena. And so they play this game. They go up really big on the on the Pistons game four. They end up losing the game. But I just remember vivid, like Hito had a huge three with like three minutes to go. And the place just, it, it was as loud as I've ever heard it. And you just, the fear I had as a young college kid was that that was never going to happen again, not just moving, but the team may never be good again. And it's a similar feeling I have sometimes now where I'm just like, are we ever going to get the same highs that we had 15 years ago, 14 years ago, but to return to that. And it wasn't a return to glory yet. It was just a return to relevance and returning to a city that um, just loved the magic. That to me was the most special afternoon I can remember even more special than the finals next year of which I went to every single game. And I went to every, I think I missed one playoff game because of college, but like that, that year to me where it was like, okay, we are back. We're on our way. Dwight's a star that we know what the core is again, a little similar to the season we're entering in this year. That to me, um, like, and they should have won the game. Hito drove late. Uh, Jason, I seal fouled him. There was a no call Rashid Wallace. After a review, I remember very vividly did like a captain salute. I'll do it for the YouTube crowd. He did like a captain salute to the whole crowd with his middle finger. And I don't think the camera has ever caught it. You can only see it in the arena, but, uh, it was, uh, it was quite a moment, but that was that game to me was the signifier that the magic were ready to win again. 
And my hope, my sincere hope, is we see that this year in the play-in against one of Zach Lowe's beloved, overrated Midwestern teams. I love it, and we'll watch it at Chili's in Central Connecticut. That team was a fun team. It's one of the stand. That's the the first stand. The first stand, stand well, team. Uh, uh, and Billy Donovan uh, pulled out. That's right. The year and, before. Uh, and the next two teams won fifty-nine games apiece, so nine and ten. And though that was a legit championship window, and it closed fast, but it was a real championship. I mean, they made the finals one year, and I thought they were the best team in the East in two thousand ten. And the old geezer Celtics just geezered them out of the playoffs. Vince Carter missed a couple three throws. Here we are, all these years later, waiting for a top twenty offense in Orlando. Kevin Clark, just a multimedia superstar. Um, Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk about our beloved Orlando Magic. Maybe this is the year. Maybe it I happens. don't know if you get to say our beloved anymore after pe- pegging them as eleventh. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'll be. Maybe it's. Maybe I'm trying to do. Remember how Perk Perk like said that the Celtics should trade Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then the Celtics made the finals, and Perk was like, "Oh, I motivated them. I just did it to motivate <laughs> this the whole time. I was motivating them. I'm just motivating the Magic. So if they're if they're ninth, it will be because." I motivated them by saying they were 11. All right, Kevin Clark. Thank you, sir. Thank you, buddy. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.